we have uh, sermon notes. If you want to download them, you can go to your web browser there. You'll see and download the sermon notes. They are a gift to you, from me to you. And it's my job to help you follow along. So let's get to it. I want today to talk about conclude a series and start a new one next week. Uh, the series is called Building a Future. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. There are really four parts to this series, and I have listed on your notes five, but really the fifth one is the introduction to the new series, so we won't count that one. I'll talk to you about the importance of your role in building a future. God doesn't do it alone. You are involved in this process. Your present realities are tied to things you did, decisions you made, choices you made. And I want you to understand that that's your part in this process. And there are four things I wanted you to understand you, you build, four things that affect the building of your future. Number one, your location. Can you say that with me, please? You must know where you are. You must know where you are. You must know what street you're on in your life. Am I on 10th Street? Am I on 15th Street? Where am I in my life? When it comes to certain areas of my life, if I'm really honest, it helps me get to where I want to be. Any navigation system starts with where you're located. Without knowing where you are, you can't get to where you want to be. Amen. And that's a hard, listen to me, that's a hard thing to manage. Because sometimes we, we, we just don't want to believe we're that bad at something or that, that underdeveloped. Second thing we talked about was your frustrations. You must manage your frustrations. That was a part, that's part of building a future. In building anything, there will be moments of frustration. There's going to be moments when it just doesn't go right. It's just not easy. You make the best decision you can. You still come up short. You're struggling. How do you manage those? If you're going to build a business, build a future, build a career, build a family, you're going to have to manage many, many frustrations. Thirdly, we talked about your source. Repeat that with me, please. Say your source. Knowing who your source is is important. Last week we talked about a guy named Aiken, and the guy was a person who, for a moment, lost sight of his source, and he went to battle, they conquered Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, and then in chapter 7, the whole chapter is dedicated to him, because he did, he did something that was wrong. He alone, and we'll see in a minute, his family, decided to take something that didn't belong to him. And that decision changed everything. As a matter of fact, I've seen this happen in a company, I've seen this happen in a church. One elder, one deacon, one minister can decide, one music leader can decide to cause strife and it just triggers. I've seen, I've seen churches devastated, split in half because one person made a decision. The pastor's not wise, this is not smart, and they drive a wedge of division. And I'll tell you, that is just, I've seen in our country lately, it's just painful to watch. This strife-driven um, anger-driven um, culture that sabotages everything. And so you have here in our study today a review, a summary of something I started last week in chapter 7 of Joshua. And in that study, I talked to you about this guy, as I said, Aiken, who lost sight. And he decided to take some, some clothing, some gold, some silver. And when he took those things, uh, it was a very selfish decision on his, own, on his part. And, and I, I want you to notice in this sermon... We're going to talk about what part he played 
in, in making a horrible thing happen. And I want you to just, for a minute, think back to a moment in your life when you saw someone do this, when you saw someone make a decision that went way past them. It didn't, it didn't stop with them. It, it was a, a, a selfish moment that caused a lot of people to feel pain. In our study, if you look at review here, the big issue that was a problem for Aiken was something called the accursed thing. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. The accursed thing. The word accursed is a word that simply meant dedicated. It was something that belonged to somebody else. So let's say you were staying with me, and then I, you watched me come to church, and I got your jacket on. Now, the problem is I didn't ask you. You just look up in the pastor's style and your jacket. Now, that, that's dedicated to you. To take it without your permission is wrong. God told them in Joshua chapter 6, everything that you win in the first battle of Jericho belongs to me. Everything you, you conquer. Now, after that, he didn't require it. After that, they only gave a tithe or a portion of it or a tenth, but everything else they could keep. And there's a principle I said last week. God never wants everything from you. That's rarely the case. Most of the time, he allows you to keep a big portion of what you have. Uh, the, the story of Abraham when he asked him to offer up his son, and he still didn't offer up his son. The point is you have to be willing to give up everything, but rarely does he ask for everything. And it's and interesting in this study, in Joshua chapter 6, he made it clear, I want everybody to give me everything from this one battle. After this, it's different. This is your first fruit. There's a principle in Scripture. There's a principle in scripture about giving because he knows our tendencies. There's something about giving. Uh, today, they asked uh, the men to give uh, to, and some of you guys may not have known about it, but we're helping college students who are getting started, and so we're giving clothes away, um, nice-looking clothing to, uh, uh, to um, young men at Savannah State. And so I went through my closet and I pulled out quite a few things. And, um, and so, I, I mean, I had like eight jackets. I mean, I really like, like gave. I felt proud of myself. And, um, and so um, one jacket in particular still fits me pretty well. And um, I put it on and I thought, no, nah, they're not getting this one. <laughs> they're not, they're not get <laughs> I did, I said, they're not getting this jacket here. I'm keeping this jacket. But then it's in my head, it was like, you know, a college student would look good in that jacket. He might look good in it, but he's not getting this jacket. <laughs> this is the battle going on in my head, right? So I remember I said, now today, it's in my trunk right now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take it out before I leave it at the day. And I, I said, um, make sure I get that jacket out of that trunk. I put it in the trunk. I got to get that jacket out the trunk. So today when I loaded up my car to come to church, I, there was, I, I made sure I pulled the jacket. Now watch this. And I pulled the jacket. It got stuck in, in the trunk. You know, that little, that, that little, little thing in the trunk. Sometimes you have the whole yellow stuff, that little, little, like a little net thing. And I pulled it, and it was stuck in the net. And I can hear the Holy Spirit say, that ain't your jacket. <laughs> so, so listen. <laughs> so I tried to get it loose, and I couldn't get it loose. And the jacket was fighting me back. I said, in Jesus' name, I give the jacket up. Praise God. You know why? It's a nice jacket. I can still wear the jacket. Why am I going to give them my jacket? 
even though I got one kind of like it. That still knew I had worn yet. But I wanted to keep that jacket. It's amazing how sometimes you can be selfish. Aiken in that moment kept the jacket. He decided that I don't care who could benefit from this. I want this for me. And sometimes that's how we live. If you get a family together and they think like that, they will never go far. The Bible said where two or three are gathered together, big word, there am I in the midst. The problem with you is your money, her money, your house, my house, your car, my car. Everything is, everything is divided. Your kids stuff, you tell them, you don't have any money. You ain't got nothing. But you, but you came to the world with nothing. If you leave out of here, leave with nothing. Because you didn't pay for nothing. Everything is yours. There's no sense of community. If you notice in Acts chapter 4, one of the things that, 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 that happened was the Bible said they had all things in common. There's this, this common sense of sharing. What, what I think, and I'm, I'll move past this because I'll talk more about this in the coming months, but what destroys churches is this, this divisiveness. You're not feeling connected. You've got to feel responsible. You've got to feel like I'm a part of this. When you're in a family, you've got to feel like I'm a part of this. You can't just look at somebody, go through something, and not care, and not engage the issue. Engage it with a sense of connection and emotional responsibility. Well, this guy didn't. He didn't care. And so Joshua didn't know about it until chapter 7, the bottom of the chapter, sorry, really chapter 8. But in chapter 7, verse 13, here's what got to, to Joshua. I'm sorry, Joshua found, in, found out in chapter 7. I apologize. Here's what he said in verse 13. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourself for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God, there is an accursed thing in your midst. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed things. You're going to have to get up, Joshua, and find out what happened. You have to get up and find out what took place. Chapter 7, they go out, they fight this little nation, and they lose. Joshua's wondering what happened. Well, in chapter, verse 13, God says, I'm not going to tell you what happened. I will, I'll tell you what happened, but you need to go find out who did it. Somebody took something I told you not to take. So he gets up, and he goes out, and he finds that this guy named Achan did it. And so here's the big point. When you forget your part, which Achan did, your family and all who trust and partner with you are at risk. And everybody who partners with you will not be able to stand against their enemies. Now I want you to think about this for a second. When you forget your part, which Achan did, he was a leader, a father, a soldier. He forgot his part. The whole nation in chapter 7 is losing a battle that they should have won. And it's all linked to him. If you want to locate the problem, it's a guy named Aiken. In your family, you can locate it. His uncle, you can say his name. You can say the one who abused most of the women. You can say the one who said that. You can say the one. You know. It starts here when you forget your part, your family, and all who trust and partner with you are at risk. And here's what will happen to them. They will not be able to stand against their enemies. A lot of our young people right now are victims of a family culture that has forgotten its part. I dare you send your kids to school unprepared and blame me for not teaching them. 
I dare you cuss out the teacher for telling your kid they can't disrupt the class. And you come down there acting like them and blame the teacher and the principal and the school system for not taking care. I'll wait for everybody to clap their hands. Come on, I'm telling the truth. Come on. I'm waiting for everybody. say so. Take off my shoes. Take off my shoes. Put my shoes back on, man. I'm going to say it the best I can. I'm going to say this the best I can. And you listen close because you're going to lose some people on the first few sentences. You're going to jump off the ship. You better put your shoes back on, Pastor Rick. You listen to me. Listen to me. Let me say what you need me to say first. Let me say this first. Police officers, some of them need to be retrained. Some of them are out of control. And some of them have been unfair. And some deserve to go to jail. How about an amen? amen. Before you clap, no, don't clap. My shoes ain't on yet. But if they stop you, you stop. Now clap your hands. I get the unfairness. I'm not, I get all that. I get all that. I'm not denying. I said it first. We don't see our part in anything. I, just want to, I want you to pause for a second. I made a comment to an African-American about how Africans can view us who come from overseas, who come to our country. And this person got really angry with me when I said it, but I said, you know what they say? You're not appreciative. All you got to do is go, go live in another country. Take my shoes off again. <laughs> you may want to make a statement. I get it. Let me say this first. You may want to point out racism. I get it. I get it. You may want everybody to understand how wrong and how unjust some people, especially African Americans in some ways, have been treated. I get it. I'm one. Give me an amen on that one. Come on. Well, let me say this to you. The flag represents more than that. People died in the Civil War. Half a million people died so you wouldn't be in slavery. I just want to pause and say that for a second. No, 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 don't clap. My shoes ain't on yet. Hold on. Soldiers for that flag go fight overseas for you. People, people you don't even know put on covert clothes and go out here and risk their lives. And you have, listen to me, you have no idea the price they pay. The fear they live under for you to protect that flag. I get your point. 
your fight and pick your way and pick your moment. Be careful what you start. Put my shoes back on. Come on. We don't see the bigger picture. You don't see your part. You don't see your, your role. Spring your brushes too broadly. All white people. All white people? You really mean all? I know you don't mean all white people. All black people. You don't mean all black people. You mean some. You mean some. Not all women, not all men, Amen. not all children. Now I want you to think with me for a second. Aiken got lost He only thought about what he thought about. And every now and then you can get in this thinking about what you think about. And, and church people, just religious people, you, you just need to back up for a minute because you, you're creating a crisis for yourself. We're creating a tension that doesn't have to exist. I've said this to a lot of my friends. I, I've said, watch yourself. Watch, watch yourself. Watch, watch what you're doing. Be careful. You're creating, a, you're creating in the mind of people you're redefining the word evangelical. You're redefining it in people's minds. You're, you're redefining things. You're making people think things that God didn't want you to think. See, God was, God, in chapter 7 of Joshua, he was really concerned about what this one guy was doing. Amen. Redefining everything. Redefining everybody. Re, relaying out all the streets. And every now and then, if you're not careful, you, you look up and you created something. And what's interesting is it wasn't just him. Now, I want to show you something for a second. J Joshua 7, 24. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, when they found out who did it. They took his silver. They took the garment, which he stolen. They took the, the gold, took his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, his iPad, his iPhone. All that he had. And they, they took him out. And the Bible says they stoned him. Now, that's tough stuff. Don't do that at home. I'm not saying do that. But I always struggle with why did God do that? Here's the answer. I didn't, I didn't know this. I learned this in, the, in this study, as a matter of fact. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16. The Bible says you cannot judge a family for what one person would do. In other words... If, if the father did it, the father was judged. But listen to what the Bible says here in verse 16 of Deuteronomy 4, 24. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children. Read that with me, please. Come on. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his what? Own sin. Here's what, here's what, here's what I believe happened. They all knew. Rarely would you steal something and you get something you don't get... What do you think about this, Jack? I mean, just think about it for a second. You want to show your wife, you know, at least your wife, you know, what you, and what is, she, what is your wife going to say? Where'd you get that jacket? Where'd you get that jacket? And then, of course, you're going to show your baby your money. 
You know, you go, hey, look. And then kids, daddy got a little extra money this time. And so now, all of a sudden, he's dragged, not one, the entire family. Now, you can relate to that. You got that TV, and you know it didn't cost $39. You watch, it, you watch all your Christian programs on it. There you go. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Jesus is blessed with this TV. No, somebody stole it and gave it to you for $39. And you probably know that. So I want you to notice, this is a family that went along. And here's a challenge. Sometimes the impact of one guy, the impact of Achan on his family was he dragged all of them into crime with him. He dragged all of them into drugs. He dragged, think about, you can relate to this. He dragged all of them, and I'm using this parallels here, but he, drove, he dragged all of them into the, to the lifestyle that he chose. And, and there, there's a moment when you back up and you go, man, What impact have I had? Please notice the lessons from this. Pretty simple. In chapter 8, things change. In chapter 8, the world changed. Achan's now gone, and the page is turned. I want you to look at me for a second. Do this with me, please. Say, come on, say, turn the page. Come on. You don't stay in chapter 7 forever. You don't. You don't stay in a place of judgment forever. There's a new opportunity in chapter 8 that... It rises and in chapter 8 this is an amazing moment because now Joshua gets to start again and now we don't have that problem now we have a brand new credit card is zeroed right everything is new we can start all over again we have a brand new school the brand new neighborhood brand new job we can start again what does he do different this time this is what I want you to pause and think about what are you going to do different this time okay you got a new husband new wife you got a new life whatever new church what are you going to do different this time you're going to fight the pastor like you did in the last church what are you going to do what is it that you're going to do differently you have a nobody knows you nobody knows what you did you can leave it behind you but watch chapter 8 watch what this guy Joshua does verse 1 the Lord said to Joshua number one do not be afraid the biggest temptation when you come through a hard season is to fear trying it again fear love fear marriage fear for you become scary he said do not be afraid nor this is so important don't become dismayed the word dismayed means broken in pieces can you say that with me please come on it's so easy to be fragmented over something that happened in your past. Here's what he told him. He said, I want you to take all the people of war with you. Last time they did, they took only 3,000 guys. Ai was so small. They, 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 you know, after they won in Jericho, they were so you know, excited and confident. In chapter 7, they went to fight Ai, this little small nation like Macon, right? A little small Jessup, whatever. And they go in and they lose. And Joshua prays and God says, your problem is Achan. So they get rid of Achan, and now in chapter 8, he's starting again, and this time he takes everybody. Listen to me. Everybody has to go in a family for the family to win. Everybody has to participate. Everybody has to. Everybody has to. Everybody has to. Come on, say, everybody has to. Come on, say, everybody has to. Everybody has to win. In order for you to, in order for you to change your life, everybody has to. Everybody has to. And so all of a sudden you have this guy, Joshua, who calls all of us, 30,000 soldiers, and they go and they fight, and of course they win. And when they win, there are three lessons that you learn. Number one, you can't allow a failure to make you afraid and break your, you into pieces. You can't allow one failure to do that to you. You can't allow one, one mess up, one mistake. You can't let five mistakes 
but you surely can't let the last one stop you. Number two, you, can't, you can only win if everybody who's supposed to go is willing to go. Let me tell you, this is a prophetic word for you. Your family will never change until, you, until everybody's on board. And it, everybody may be three people. It may not be all 20 in the family, but you've got to get a core of everybody, whoever that is. For Diane and me, it's me and Diane. Then it was Ricky and Christina. Now it's Monica, and it becomes Milani. We're working on her. One and a half, you've got to work on that person. The goal is to get everybody in the room. And then, then the goal is to broaden that out. Maybe get some cousins and some uncles in there. But the goal is create an all. Create an all. We all are committed. We all fight together. We all pray together. We all go fight. So they all went. What they did was they raised up what they call mighty men of valor. I call them world changers. World changers, people who change the world. As a matter of fact, that's one of the names I want to bring in our culture. You'll hear it more often. I want you to just be members. What good is that? What does that mean? To this culture, especially to millennials, it doesn't mean anything. Be a member. What does that mean? Sound like obligation to me. But if we're talking about changing the world, if we're saying we want to do something, we want to be a group of people who gather together with the goal of, of blessing a church in Uganda that was sitting on the dirt to sit in chairs. That's world changers. When you want to be a world changer, that means that you go to Uganda and you sit there. You pick a place. You can't change the whole world. Pick a place. And you say, we're going to go here and we're going to serve 3,200 people, 6,000 cases. Now, you can spend your life trying to be a healer, a, you know, a miracle healer. But how about just going over there, sending some money over there? 6,000 people right now. Think about it. They had headaches. They don't have headaches anymore. Some of them have surgery, don't, don't need surgery anymore. All because of you, all because of you. Think about this for a second, all because of you. That's a miracle. Why, why, why must people go through all these other things that you, you're talking about in the Bible, raising the dead? This, how about helping somebody walk who couldn't walk? 6,000 plus people, 6,000 plus physical issues do not exist today because you sent a few thousand dollars over there and a few people and you banded together and created this thing. And I say, that's a miracle. Come on, amen. That's a miracle. And that's world-changing stuff. And that's what you want to do. You want to do. Well, that, that gives you a reason to exist. Just because you come in here and we dress up, that's, not, that's nothing. As a matter of fact, I almost thought about throwing the term member out. I haven't done it yet. I might just put an addendum on it. World-changing member. Put member to let in. I want you to change the world. I want you to do something that makes a difference, that's significant. Some of you have been waiting for the membership class. That's what I've been, I've been praying about it. So when are we going to join? It's coming. I stopped it in May, something like that. Nobody's joined since May. Everybody's been waiting. About 100 of you waiting. I'm coming. Tell your neighbors, he's coming. Come on, he's coming. He's coming. I've been, I've been praying. I said, Lord, I can't just keep taking in members. It's 3,200 of them, so it'd be 3,400 of them. Okay, so 3,500. Okay, 3,700. So what? 4,000. How about can I have 5,000? Can I have six? <laughs> At what point does it matter? If you don't have people with you who are willing to fight, you know, Gideon learned that lesson. Yes. Gideon had all those people. He said, I'm going to show you something, Gideon. People look like they're going to fight, but when the fight breaks out, they run. Amen. 
I want you to understand 300 people is all you need. Uh, now, now, don't, now, the rest of y'all, don't leave. Now, hold on. Don't, 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 don't misunderstand. <laughs> I'm leaving. He said he don't need but 300 of us. So I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to take and leave. I'm making a point to you. Some of you have big families, and it's a shame when grandmama gets sick. You can't get $5. It's a shame. They cry at our house. Come over. They'd be, they be, they be there today getting food after church. And that's so same crying people would not bring a piece of chicken in the house to cook. What I'm saying is you don't need just a family. You need to have a world-changing family. Come on, say amen here. Come on, you need to have a family that's committed. I'm going to get off the notes here. I went to Ebenezer Baptist Church the other day, hung out with Raphael Warnock, a good friend of mine. Raphael, you know, Joyce, Joyce's brother, pastors the church. Martin Luther King used to be the assistant pastor, and I thought he was the pastor, but his daddy was the pastor. Anyway, who cares? Anyway, bottom line. He gave me a tour, went around there the other day. He, me, and Diane and a friend, we walked around. It was just amazing. And one of the things that was fascinating is I said, look at all this stuff they do. Help people get their GED. Help people get jobs. Help people, help people, help people, help people, help people, help people. You know, you just want to sit down sometimes. You know what? You just sit down here. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm messing protocol up. Who cares no more? That wasn't a moan. That wasn't a moan. That wasn't a moan. When I get up, it's going to be fine. Watch. Sometimes I think God look at us and say, you know, they just get on my nerves. They just so sanctified and holy. They just, they so worried about being saved and going to hell. They don't care about anybody else. Name somebody whose life you changed. Why do you think I'm talking about money and telling you to give at times? You know, you think it's for me? No. No. What'd I get out of the deal? A good car, okay, a nice house to live in, and a nice little suit. Big deal. If that's all this is about, look, let me tell you something. If a man ain't lazy and can work, he ain't worried about money. Because he can make money anywhere. Come on, say man. You hear what I'm saying? See, if he ain't a lazy brother. And why would you want a lazy brother anyway as a pastor? So let's take all that foolishness and put it on the side. That ain't why we're here. That's not why we're here. Aiken forgot why we were here. We're here to change the world. So we get to dress up in a little dumb suit. So what is a suit? Ain't nothing but a jacket. I'm sorry. You heard that? That's all that is. I like my jacket. But that's a jacket. It's a suit. All it is is shoes. He's flipping out, y'all. He's going crazy. <laughs> He's losing his mind. Don't take nothing else off, Pastor Rick. That's it. <laughs> Stop right there, boy. <laughs> He's whacking out. He's whipping out. He done lost his mind. I'm trying to get you to understand something. You get so caught up in this stuff, get so caught up in this stuff, get so caught up in this stuff, you're missing the bigger picture. You won't see what God wants to do that's way bigger than all this other stuff. Get this out of your mind. Somebody introduced me one time, talking about what I got, where I live, and all that stuff. I said, What's that? Don't, don't say it to people. My mentor told me, Don't put stuff in people's mind they can't get out. And they see you, that's all they see is a jacket and a suit. Don't you understand that, that behind all this is a man? And I'm just trying to get you to see something bigger than this. 
I want you to see that God's hand is on us. And I, you know, sometimes I feel bad. Oh, I should have built you a big building. For what? Drawing you in debt so you couldn't pay and have me in bondage and I'm sitting up all night while you sleeping? The devil is a liar. I ain't doing that. The devil is a liar. I'm going to sleep with you. I'm going to bed at night. I don't need an $80,000 mortgage. Give me a high five. I don't need it. If you don't pay for it, we right here where we're going to stay in Jesus' name. I wish I would put myself in that kind of bondage. I know preachers in that kind of bondage. All jacked up and messed up and, and, and family all jacked up and messed up. I'm not living like that. I'm trying to tell you something. Achan lost his mind. He lost sight of what was important. He forgot the real value in life. Every now and then. Gotta have a reality check. Slap yourself. Get up. Tired of being broke. Tired of somebody told me up there, just on the other side of broke. I live on the other side of broke. Just on the other side of broke. You gotta get sick and tired of being divided. Sick and tired of strife. Thank you, Father. Sometimes I cut the news off. I can't take another. I just get my jacket here. Made me throw my jacket down, y'all. Made me mess up my clothes today. Lord have mercy, Jesus. Father, forgive them in Jesus' name. They all jacked up here. I was looking good and I come up in here today. I'll tell you what, somebody, you know, sometimes you just get mad. I got mad the other night. And I just get something else off my chest. Driving my car, somebody said, ooh, look at that nice car. I said, you know what? The devil is a liar. Look at that shit. Your car, house, it's foolishness. Foolishness. He walk on golden streets to make a point. This ain't nothing to me. This ain't nothing to me. All this foolishness. It's just to send a signal to you. Man. I need just a minute. Because see, here, here's what I think. Somewhere in the world today, Somebody needs me. Somebody crying. There's someone that's a sex slave. The traffic right through here, Savannah, I don't know if you know that or not. Look it up, Google it. They bring them girls right through here. Right at the port. Traffic them through here. I didn't know that. While I'm sitting here all dressed up in church. Jesus needed me to focus. Achan lost his mind. And what he did was he dragged his whole family in the wrong direction. Hope you got something out of that part. I need to move on. Let me close. The impact of obedience. When you do it right, things change. Joshua chapter 8, verse 34. After he did all this, he read the word of the law to them. He read to them. He just read the word to them. And he picked Deuteronomy 28, one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. Because I love this because here's what it does. It tells you what happens when you fight and when you're obedient. It shows you what happens when you, when you do your part and you're obedient. Number one, when you're diligent, the Bible says, if you diligently... In Deuteronomy 28, 1, if you diligently, diligently, 
it will, I'm sorry, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully his, his commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you above, set you on high above all the nations on the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you. And then he begins to name blessings. When you work hard, you'll be blessed. Verse 3 through 6. When you fight, the Bible says your enemies who rise against you will be defeated. In verse 9, when you're consistent, the Lord will establish you. And all the people of the earth shall call you blessed. You will prosper. You'll have opportunities. You'll have positions of authority. You will avoid, you will avoid listen to this now, a lot of hardship. All because you're obedient. It's about obedience. It's about me and you joining together. Father, help us today. Help us to pause for a minute. Gosh, Help us see what's really important. Lift your hand, just worship God for just a minute. Who am I leading, Lord? Who am I leading? Am I leading people who want to be united, change the world, or people who just want to go to church and hear a sermon? Watch a guy in a fancy suit. us today decide who we want to be what kind of marriage is this going to be what kind of children are we trying to raise what kind of boss am I trying to be is it all about me and me advancing or is it about changing the world is it about becoming prosperous and successful so I can help others is it so that I can have the power to make a difference? He said, if I obey you, you'd command the blessing upon me. But when you bless me, what is it for? What's my purpose? What am I building a future to do? So I can build more barns for me? More savings accounts? More, disc, more, more stocks? More bonds? Is all that just for me? Or is it to do good in the world? Should it be true that Bill Gates has a bigger vision for helping people than I do? Should it be that Warren Buffett has a bigger vision for helping the world than me? Should it be, God, that after I'm dead and gone, that my resources will not be in the world still making a difference? Help me, Jesus. Howard Hughes. Money is still touching lives today. He died with syphilis. But his money is still touching the world. Should his life mean more than mine? 
do I care beyond church being filled with the Holy Ghost in a mighty burning fire do I really really care and do I matter do I matter if I were not here would it even matter why don't I work to matter even if it's just in one life one person that I know in my family was lost one person I can mentor one young girl that I can save somebody that comes to our mind right now Father help us focus on that person help us Jesus help us Jesus talked to a guy the other day and I'm not saying you don't know who he is so I'm just going to say but this is what this is what this is what I pray for this is the power I want in my hand this one guy was, was talking to me and he said uh, he had not finished college and he was three classes from finishing and I said he doesn't have the money he can't find his way back and I looked at him and I said I'll pay for it and he paused I'll help you get that done. Can't do everybody, but I can do that one. Can you do one? Class. Make a difference. Stop just living. Make a difference. Pray in Jesus' name that you can make a difference. Now, I'm going to pray that prayer. Hands lifted. Father, help us make a difference. Together, banning our resources, banning our re lives together. Help us make a difference. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every hand down. I'm out of time, man. I'm so out of time. Ah, I blame you guys. I blame you for it. Lord, I thank you for this time for service today. I pray, God, that you would touch hearts. If there's somebody here who said, Pastor, what you said today spoke to me. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. A thousand ways I get it. I want to start a life with Jesus. I want you to pray for me, please. I want you to pray for me because I want, to, I want my life when I leave you today to make a difference. I want to be a world changer. I want to give Jesus my life. I don't want to just be religious. I want to have a relationship. I want you with your head bowed and hands, eyes down. Raise your hands so I know who I'm praying for. Say, pray for me. That's me. That's me today. Pray, pray. Put your hands up so I can go. Put your hands up high. Let me see. Who am I praying for? I'm praying for one. I'm praying for two, three. I'm praying for four. I'm praying for who else? Five. I'm praying for more and more. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you at home today. All of you, I see you back there. I'm praying for all of you. Father, I pray for all these who raise their hands today. Let this be the beginning of a new day for them. Healing and deliverance. I pray they would never leave, Lord, knowing. They leave knowing you love them. Can you pray this prayer out loud? Come on, say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I want to be a world changer. I want to change my life. I need you in my life. I thank you for your forgiveness and a chance to start a new life. In Jesus' name, amen.